Which month is this? April? No, ma- March. March, yeah. March. For March, I am your humble host, Nicholas. With me today, we have the great and wonderful Daniel Evanson. Hello. We have the lovely and beautiful Rachel. Hello. And we have the mysterious and mystifying Katie. That's me? (laughs) (laughs) Isn't it a mystery when she's the, uh, she's, she's more of the collector of secrets. Oh, I like that. (laughs) i'm not gonna lie i kind of just like picked whatever adjectives popped into my head and hoped they were nice considering (laughs) i don't i wonder where you got mystery from (laughs) (laughs) definitely has nothing to do with katie's uh nickname that she just came up with for herself on my screen how we all doing guys pretty good so there's that yeah yeah. <laughs> How sick! Not like capital S with a C sick. You know what I mean? <laughs> I the have current... no idea what the fuck that was supposed you, to mean. Dan. You got the COVID girl. <laughs> Most six usually do have a C in it. It's part of the word S I C. That being subtle. Yeah. It's the current the, the current sick though. I think no. you're just hoping that you don't have you know the big the big disease no i do not have the rona as far as i know good enough for me (laughs) good thing we don't live next to each other yeah i'd cough (laughs) all over you guys if we did i have been mailing my spit to katie though so best friends share everything (laughs) even husbands no what the rachel rachel This isn't fair because I'm the only one with a husband. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Uh, So, um, Peter today is um, he's very busy. He is actually building homes for um, uh, children in third world countries right now. He is out um, just traveling the world. And um, it's probably not safe during coronavirus uh, to be doing this, but he's he's putting himself at risk to help these children. So he can't make it this month, but he'll be back next month. I thought he was taking a nap. Shh. He's trying to help his next Kickstarter. Jeez. (laughs) Okay, guys. Wow. We'll see if he's back back. (laughs) next It's okay. I mean... I mean, I think the, when Katie, you were out, you were in a mental asylum. I think, yeah. I mean, that wasn't inaccurate, though, so. <laughs> <laughs> it's just semantics at that point. <laughs> um, so, so what are we doing this month, guys? What is our theme? I believe it's... Uh, alternate history. Yeah. What does that mean? That's where the premise of the book takes place in the quote-unquote real world but at least some point of history has been changed so like everyone can the other side win the civil war right or is there magic in the napoleonic era yeah are there dragons and now it's the world but there were dragons back in ancient times and now have fun with that (laughs) So I, I guess the implication with this being like fantasy book of the month is that this isn't just alt history where 
it's something that feasibly could have happened but didn't this I mean, is feasibly yeah. could never happen because there's magic and other shit like that are you telling me magic isn't real nicholas nicholas <sighs> um dan you want to take this one dan <laughs> magic uh... is magic isn't real Close one. Put it out there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry. Well, guys. You guys, I have to go cry. Just take a minute to, to grieve. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. We thought uh, we were doing the totally real book of the month. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How long have we been doing this podcast for? A week. Yeah, at least yeah. two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> we recorded all these episodes in advance. <laughs> <laughs> How did we guess the pandemic then? We're just really good. Yeah, we're (laughs) magical. Oh, wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I guess like alt history is like weird to me as a a genre. It's never really been one I've been super into. I I don't really get the point, I guess. Like what to you guys, what's the appeal of Um, alt history as opposed to just okay. (laughs) I only care I only care about it if it's historical because I don't like reading about today's times. Oh yeah, that was going to be one of my questions for y'all. Um how do you guys feel about uh urban fantasy? I'm very picky. Yeah, I like I like a lot of urban fantasy, but I mean, it's not it's not always alternate history even though usually there's like usually urban fantasy is like secret history. Where there's like yeah. the world behind the world, right? Also, I I feel like we'll get into this in, in a different episode. Oh yes, oh, very likely. Did we, did we do urban fantasy already? No, I feel like I've doing... read a bunch of urban fantasy books. <laughs> we're doing it in what's the month after April? May. 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 We're, we're doing really it in good May. At the months, guys. Maybe we should go back to kindergarten. I'm just I don't do order as well. I don't do I order of things well. I would love to go back to kindergarten. I would I would nail it now, you oh know. Oh my goodness. When my my nephew was in kindergarten, sorry tangent. Um <laughs> he got so upset cuz they're like, "So what did you do today?" And he's like, "They made us do work like color and play." And he was just so upset they made him color and play. I was upset that I was made to nap. Oh, children my, are my, my teacher let me eat cupcakes under her desk so the other students wouldn't see and get jealous. What? Yeah. Nick was a st- uh, suck up. No, she loved me. <laughs> she loved me. She had both of my older siblings, so she like knew my family by that point. Mm. And yeah, I was like, I got a lot of special treatment. I also locked a kid in a closet and went to the principal's office for it. Okay. like why well here's the thing like they (laughs) so so like you know when you're in kindergarten they have a wall full of bins and all the bins have different things like one bin has blocks and one bin has legos and one bin has like uh puzzle pieces or some shit right yeah for some reason in uh 2000 i think was when i was in kindergarten in the year 2000 um they had a bin full of keys, real metal keys, all sorts of keys, just house keys, car keys, just old keys. I don't know why. 
I feels like that's a choking hazard. It's a terrible decision. But we had this bin full of keys, and I went up to the closet while the teacher was not there. And I was, which also the teacher was not there. There was nobody watching us for a period of time. <laughs> <laughs> and I used, I tested every key on the closet door. And I distinctly remember being stupid because I would test the key, and if it didn't work, I'd put it back in the bin. <laughs> so who knows how many times I used the same key? But I eventually unlocked the door. And a kid comes over to me and he goes, what are you doing? And somehow I say, like, get in or something. And he goes in and then I lock it on him and I walk away. Oh. And like 20 minutes later, the teacher finds a crying kid locked in the closet. <laughs> Did you throw the key back in the bin? Yeah. I mean, presumably the teacher had her own key to the closet. Yeah. So. Or at least the janitor would probably have the master key. Yeah, I think they were a little confused how it happened, but until I kind of like this nefarious Nick. <laughs> yeah, he's a narc, that kid. <laughs> he's a narc. You locked the kid in the closet. You're like, I can't believe he told on me. <laughs> what a Where's the honor among brothers. <laughs> I have I have a scar on my nose where I refuse to scare, uh, share when I refuse to share. Your blood? <laughs> refuse to share what? A UFO Wait. toy. Oh. And so what were you both tugging on it and it then came back what, and hit you? No, I think it hit me in the face after a tug of war. Hmm, okay. Oh man. So just an accidental scarring. <laughs> yeah, because I'm stubborn. <laughs> that checks out. Well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dan, what do you feel- remember about kindergarten? <laughs> Uh, I don't have any good memories of school. I mean, do you remember? That's probably not true. I'm sure I could think of something, but it's mostly who remembers the good stuff. I don't know. (laughs) Also, do you remember school, Dan? You are kind of ancient. Oh, okay. Somebody (laughs) call a fucking ambulance. We got a (laughs) we got a burn victim here. (laughs) (laughs) I remember a lot of school. And I remember it so well that I, at some point, just was like, I'm never going back to that place. <laughs> I've been in school so long, my school can vote. <laughs> <laughs> I hated school. I wanted to get out as quick as possible. Same. And you I, know what? I still have fucking nightmares about school. I still dream about high school all the fucking oh time. Isn't that I, the worst? I hate it. Oh man. Here's the thing. Okay, if you're if you are in <laughs> high school right now and you're listening to this, okay? Like whenever people tell you it's the best oh, these time are the, of your these life. The best time of your life. They're fucking lying to you. Let me tell you, being an adult <laughs> is fucking awesome. Being an adult is so much better than being Until a kid. you until you have to buy a house. No. No, it's so it wasn't that bad. <laughs> yeah, so Rachel, three against one. Houses are cool. <laughs> I mean, Buying a house means have to be, deal with bank. No, buying a car is probably your first instance of dealing with a bank. Yeah. And Just and you know what? Cash. Most of the time, you don't have to go. They're, they're perfectly willing to give you some money. Like, it's it's later on after you've screwed up with the bank a bunch of times. Where they're <laughs> like, oh, no, not this guy again. <laughs> and then you're like, well, my wife's credit is pretty good, so she'll buy the house. <laughs> When you have a reputation with the bank, that's when you get a problem. Dad, are you speaking from experience? <laughs> no, no, no. I would never talk about my brother on a podcast. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh my god. 
Now we're going to find out if my brother actually listens to the podcast. This is really a test of family loyalty. You know, I wonder if anyone's going to listen to this podcast because we're not talking about books. We're talking about childhood. Well, because it's an alternate history and everything we said was a lie. We got you. (laughs) It's not even April. I wish we planned that. No, that would be hilarious. Uh, Yeah, Nick, it's not even April. It's March. Oh, okay. You're right. (laughs) or late april fools depending on how much uh, time it takes to get this episode out right, okay oh, okay Lord. we got another burn victim here okay thanks rachel <laughs> <laughs> rachel's coming out hot today yes, I'm, I'm, offensive. I'm, I, I'm being very spicy <laughs> so so yeah i mean like in i, I guess as a as a writer what do you guys think is like the appeal of like using an alt history versus like coming up with y- your own world, your own fantasy world? Uh, easier world building, probably. Yeah, definitely. Like the first time I played D and D, I was like, I'm gonna build a world, and it was like I was fresh into it, and I didn't even know that there were different like pre-made worlds. I was just like, everybody makes their own world. Mm-hmm. It's really fucking hard. It's true. Because yeah, you have to think of how the politics would interact with each other, even without like a. I mean, people people use bases, but sometimes if you want to make something original, it's really hard. Yeah, I feel like there are also a lot of constraints, though. Yeah, but it's it's. I'm not saying it's baby steps, but it is easier and faster to write, maybe, maybe, but also might be more fun. Yeah, because then you can like, like what Mary Robinette did. She, mm-hmm. you know, took actual historical things. And then she, like, put her own twist on it and was like, well, these things really happened. You can, you know, read about it in other books. But here's my version of it. Yeah, and I I did really like her book. Typically, I'm not a huge fan. Of I, believe her, history, but... I believe her Lady Astronaut series is also old history. Mm-hmm. It, it, it takes place in, like, the 50s, 60s era, Dan? It's, yeah, it's like, it had to speed up the space race. Yeah, it's post-World War II, and a asteroid collides with the Earth in, like, 1953, I think. So it's it's actually, like, going to Mars with not even Apollo technology, but with, like, Galileo, like, like the first orbital shots kind of technology. Uh, so, it, yeah, I mean, it's a very different time period to when we actually like went to the moon which was you know in 1969 so it's like a whole 10 10 11 years before that yeah it also i guess alt history can go hand in hand with pope's apocalyptic fantasy kind of like um yeah and the dystopian types yeah i'm thinking more of like uh red queen's war um where it's like thousands of years in the future it, it really does lend itself to like the sort of what if kind of question yeah um the one that i'm thinking of now is uh what is that it was a show it's also a book by like philip k dick oh gosh um the man in the high tower yeah oh man in the high castle high castle sorry I did. yep that's also alternate history yeah that was really really fun show yeah my dad really liked it the book is weird. I don't know. Philip K. Dick is a interesting author. He's kind of hit or miss for me, but 
they man, I think like almost everything he's written has been turned into something at this point. Yeah, Blade Runner is uh, do androids dream or do electric sheep dream? What is it? Nope. Do androids dream of dream electric, of electric sheep. sheep? You were close. Yeah, yeah. I have it. <laughs> it's not in the correct. As I said, I don't do order. I have the correct <laughs> words. Rachel, it's pure chaos. No order. No, I well, we did a line chart yesterday. I was the lawful good character in the friend group, so. But you just really? follow the law in different orders. Like, you execute first, and then you decide if they're guilty, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, apparently I'm either lawful neutral or lawful good. But very lawful. So you're you're your a rules-following narc. Oh, I, I bet... Got I bet if she was locked in a closet, she'd tattle. She probably would. <laughs> depends how, uh, maybe. It depends how good close we are. If I didn't know you, I'd totally narc. You narc. Yes. <laughs> yes, I am a narc. That's because I didn't want, don't have any siblings. I can't narc on anyone else. Oh, that's fair. You're being a real closet kid here, Rachel. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> in more ways than one. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, okay. Oh, uh, good times. You guys are great. We're going to have a fun time. All right, so who wants to go first and tell us what you read? And, and... You do. You want me to... Really? I don't know. <laughs> Did it, does anyone have a good book to go? Does anyone I like had, their book? I, I really liked my book. Me too. Okay. Uh, either Dan... <laughs> okay, we'll start on a high note and end on a high note. Dan, rock, paper, scissors for it. Uh, how's that gonna work? I don't know, okay. but I just did scissors. All right, I'm always rock, so I'll go first. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like he just decided. I don't know. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, there's a scissor on the cover of my book too. Snip, snip. That's neat. Well, right. There's a gear on the cover of my book uh, because I read *The Mechanical* by Ian Tregellis, uh, book one of *The Alchemy Wars*. Uh, is it alchemy with an a Y? It is alchemy with a Y. <laughs> I was like, why did you pronounce that weird? I don't know. Sometimes <laughs> I have trouble making my mouth make the words. Fair. It's an issue we all share here on our, all, on our audio podcast. <laughs> you know, the thing that we do, not for a living, maybe Dan, maybe Nick does it for a living, kind of, maybe. No, I don't know. Do it. Uh, anyway, so my <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my book, The Mechanical, is about if uh, instead of initiating the slave trade, uh, the Dutch in the 1600s created mechanical robots um, to be that, slaves. Yes, essentially replace slave labor in the world. So it's a kind of steampunky sort of story setting. Uh, and then it follows the tale of Jax, who is one of these mechanical people. Uh, and we learn pretty quickly that they are not like false automatons. They have souls. Um, and the reason they are such great uh, like labor is that they can think and have feelings, um, but that they are kind of buried under this mechanical control mechanism that the their creators have put them under so um it's it's a really 
I mean, you got to be ready for a slave metaphor if you're going to read this one. And Ian Tregellis puts a lot of pain into his novels, both like emotional and physical. Um, people are getting hurt a lot in his books. Uh, and the the pain of the the slave folks here, or the, the, the mechanical people are often like reflected as this kind of like awful stuttering almost that hits them uh, like a, like a physical tremor that kind of runs through them when they, when they are faced with either intentional disobedience of whoever owns them or uh, more commonly when they are given sort of like contradictory instructions. Um, So the, the sort of like magic that perpetuates them, but also controls them means that they have to follow the instructions of like whoever gave them to them. And there's this system involved in, in determining like who, whose instructions you would follow over someone else's. And if you run into a situation where you've been given contradictory instructions from people who are kind of like at the same level in society, then it can it can break it can break you basically it, it, it fractures the mechanism that holds your soul together um, so it, it's a it's a it's a novel you know about slavery but very clearly it's focused on like the pain that slavery causes the slave and sticks to that perspective of um, you know what what's what's it like to be someone who has no ability to determine their own uh their own actions you know down to like you know how quickly they move and things like that so um you know you have to be kind of emotionally ready for that kind of a story but ian tregellis is like a really good author he's he wrote um a different alternate history series that uh i really liked which was about using psych i think it's psychics versus warlocks in world war ii which is pretty good um but in this one you know like i feel like he kind of leveled up like that kind of first uh series is pretty good and then this one is just like really excellent and the world building is like i mean by the third book which is there's only three books in the series by the third one uh it's so way out there like the the metaphor for the story is still present but not primary by the time you get to the second and third books the first one really seems like an examination of you know like what's it like to be a slave and by the second one it's much deeper into the kind of like slave uprising that's essentially going on along with like what's this is what the dutch have been up to like how how has the rest of the world gone on when uh you know slave labor is kind of overturned and obviously like the politics of the world are different because uh, suddenly this small country, you know, in Europe has this tremendous workforce suddenly available to it. And similar to like, you know, how England kind of expanded at the time instead it's the Dutch. And what does that change? How does that change the world when a different country with different, a different view of the world suddenly becomes like a superpower. So I hardly encourage everybody to take a look if you feel that you can be emotionally prepared for this kind of pretty heavy story. 
Wow. Yeah, that sounds super cool. So I, I've heard, like, what's interesting about that is that is, like, a common topic that I feel like is broached in a lot of sci-fi, right? With um, with the idea of, like, uh, robotic people or, like, cyber, cyborg type or, um, or even the game, like, Detroit Become Human. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blade Runner deals with that. Near Automata. Um, yeah. And I, I just think it's interesting to sort of take that same uh, approach, but without really hitting heavy on the sci-fi and instead turning to the alternate history. That's kind of a... I think it really made a difference for me, too, that it was that, that right away he makes it clear that these are not robots. Like, their bodies are robots, but these are the souls of people. And so there's not a there's there's no like i feel like when sci-fi uses that metaphor it's it can sometimes be easy to say like well but it's a robot so it doesn't have a soul it's not a person is even though it thinks and talks and does those things like there's an ethical question first i guess of like is it a person and then the moral question of like well even if it isn't a person or it is a person like you know is it okay to you know, sort of like use an intelligence, another intelligent being for your slave labor, essentially, which is like where the name robot even comes from. Right. So uh, for this one, I think he was actually really smart to sort of like get rid of that first question entirely and say, even though these are not flesh and blood humans. And and though like the majority of the human population thinks of them as automatons, we know because we're in Jax's head that like, no, these are people. And we know that the people that made them that way also know that they are people. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of like immediately reframes the metaphor and not a lot, but enough to like, I think really examine the philosophy behind the choice of, you know, how, you know, enslaving someone and also like, the philosophy of the enslaved like you know what what are they when are when are they like you know really ethically compromised in, in when they are not really like given a, an opportunity to choose for themselves so like i said it's a it's a heavy book but i, I it can still be you know fun at times but uh and and, and the world building is super i think inventive and interesting and new but like you can kind of come away from it. Like it may not be a fun book to read necessarily. (laughs) Sure. Um, All right. So really quick for, for my notes here, what was the name of your book again? Uh, That was the mechanical by Ian Tregellis. You know, we should probably put this in the spreadsheet before we uh, record the episode. Yeah. I'm also just trying to get into the habit of like every book we mention keeping mm. notes on that too because somebody specifically requested that who was it call him out. i'm not gonna call him <laughs> out <laughs> it was nick oh nick way to narc again rachel yes <laughs> i have access to the tmt email files <laughs> i'm in the mainframe I can it's hack. a union can... system <laughs> oh, sorry <laughs> okay i will go next all right. Okay. And what did you read? I read Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norell by Suzanne Clark. Probably a, a very famous alternate history book. 
uh, so famous they made a TV show on the BBC. I didn't know it was all history. I, it, it's about two magicians, uh, the last two magicians in England uh, during the Napoleonic War. And I just guess it was to... just so like far removed. I just assumed it was like some fantasy medieval setting. No, it's yeah, no, it's, it's not really medieval. Up. Yeah, it's Napoleonic. Uh, I didn't. Yeah, I only watched a few episodes, and I definitely wasn't going to read that book. <laughs> oh my goodness! But it, you should watch the whole thing because it was so good. Basically, the plot of it is two the last two magicians, the last two practical magicians in England are destined to bring uh, magic back to England, uh, and in the process, they make a deal with a fairy with an extra which fucks things up because you don't make deals with fairies with an extra because that's bad. As we learned from all of fantasy, if it has an extra run, run fast. <laughs> <laughs> we all know those type of fae, right? Yeah, they're bastards. No, I don't because I stay away from them. Oh, good call, Dan. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. So we follow the titular, Mr. Doc, uh, not Dr. Strange, <laughs> Jonathan Strange. <laughs> And Mr. Norrell, uh, I would recommend the TV show if you want a condensed version of the book, and then go back to read the book if you want the cool, like, world-building aspects, like, the, the the footnotes are really good, where it's talking about the previous magicians of England, and you talk about, like, the different eras of magic. You have, like, the Golden Age, which is in French, uh, Latin, and I don't care to pronounce it, and the Silver Age, which is also in Latin, I don't care to pronounce it. <laughs> um, oh, so it goes talk- into the history... Of the things that they're talking about. Yeah, and there's mm-hmm. like different, yeah, and the different like folklore between oh, like different. That's really neat. Yeah. So it's like giving you a lot of background to the history. Cause it's like, why would the book go into that? It's common knowledge in this world, kind mm. of. So it's giving you footnotes. So it's kind of like you're reading a textbook or like a testament of somebody. Um, Can I ask you, Rachel? Did you read this in Kindle or listen to it or? I read the physical copy. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how else you you can. I mean, how does the audiobook even work with the footnotes? Like the footnotes are so key to the book, it seems like. Um, I don't know. Uh, the footnotes in uh, the Good Omens kind of go footnote. And then the narrator goes into the footnote. But those mm. are short footnotes. I'm yeah, this one, the footnotes are massive sometimes. So I'm um, actually listening to the audiobook with footnotes right now, and what they actually have is a separate narrator, basically, um, reads the footnotes. Yeah. Uh, so, well, maybe they do something like that. I I don't know. Uh, but again, I would recommend the BBC show, just for, and if you really like it, go back and read the book and read the footnotes, because they're really interesting. Mm-hmm. Just because it's a thousand page book and it's very dry <laughs> Rachel, i mean did, i didn't you do something similar for good omens you watch the show and then you're like i want to read it no um that was what my roommate did i re- read the book first and then watched okay. the show i normally watch the adaptation first just because i can't be disappointed oh okay i mean because like if i really like a, a book that i read like in the golden compass and they cut out parts. I was disappointed that I didn't get to see those parts. But if I never knew they existed, would I be disappointed? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that's what I did. I, I watched the BBC show and I loved it. I mean, I thought the show was great. And they 
didn't include too much of the information from the footnotes, but there is some mention of that stuff. But overall, like the story of Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell is pretty good. But like I went back and tried to read the book and I'm with Rachel. Like it was a slog. The I don't I don't really know how to describe the writing. Uh, dry is, I guess, pretty good. British. But like not maybe, really British. like <laughs> old not- British. Like it is. it does feel like a book written in Napoleonic times. Yeah, it feels like a textbook. Kind of. <laughs> mm. I mean, the footnotes in places are interesting, but like a lot of times they are unnecessary. And I felt like I was reading so many of the footnotes and then going back and then just like constantly being interrupted in the story by the footnotes. Oh, and I wonder it, if it, I, maybe I just out of the immersion kind of. Yeah, very much. Oh, did that happen to you, Rachel? Uh, now, mainly because I wasn't paying too close attention to the actual story because I knew it. <laughs> so. Okay. So, Rachel, like in the physical paper copy of the book, were the footnotes written on the bottom of the page, or did you have to like go to the back of the book to find them? Oh no, they were in the back. They were in the bottom of the page. Really? So, like, there's at least one I know of where it tells at least like six little vignette stories in one of the footnotes. So like there's, there's has to be footnotes that like take up the whole, the whole page. Yeah. There's one that takes up two pages. Oh my God. <laughs> that's not really a footnote anymore. That's just, no, that's just the book. Yeah. That's why it's 800 pages. Oh. Yeah. Wow. It's so weird. <laughs> Again, watch the show. And if you care more about the world building, read the book and then look at the footnotes. Maybe like, I think it's one of the few times where I would encourage someone to like read the Amazon preview <laughs> before you buy the book. Cause I think if you read like that first chapter, you're going to know whether you're interested in reading the rest of that book. If you're not interested, I would try the show though. Still, the show's really re- good. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I, re- um, I remember seeing something on Reddit. It was like Dr. Norell and Mr. Strange. No, I fucked no. that up. Jonathan you know, Strange and Mr. Norrell. Yeah, you know, someone, f- you fixed it for me. Thank you. That it was what Avatar The Last Airbender movie should have been. Because, like, the magic in it is just so fucking cool. And yeah. it was awesome. Yeah. That's it's it. Um, <laughs> it's like illusionary things. And, like, um, I think Jonathan Strange moves a forest to, like, America at one point from Portugal. He moves the forest? Yeah, and takes... Because <laughs> he's on the peninsula for the Napoleonic Wars. Just to, like, get it out of the way? Or because... Uh, there was a fight going on, I think. He also moved a river to make the map uh, better. Because <laughs> they didn't want to redraw all the maps. So, oh like, Jonathan... my fucking god, that's kind of just lazy at that point. <laughs> no, they didn't move a river, they moved a town. Oh. Oh my god. That was a lot of Jonathan Strange's magic was like, these nobles are very put out. I've got to do something about it before they bother me more. He was in the middle of a war, admittedly, for that one. That's like, I have a friend who I used to describe as like, he was so lazy that he would make more work for himself. (laughs) He would be like, I'm too lazy. We were at our college campus and he'd be like, I'm too lazy to drive. 
So let's go walk to the restaurant. Well, (laughs) that kind of the way that you described him sounds like Jeff Winger from Community. Yeah. (laughs) He will do so much work to get out of work. Yeah. Like without um, the very personable uh, personality, like that's that's pretty much Jonathan Strange. Yeah. It's, I mean, I, I liked him. I like Jonathan Strange better in the book than in the TV show because in the TV show, he was kind of off the wall, kind of. Mm-hmm. Is his wife adorable in the book? Because I remember she was like super cute in the TV show. Um, she doesn't, they, they don't really, she doesn't really appear except for some, most, uh, unless she's interacting with Lady Pole. Okay. And then she, uh, then a, the thing happens and then the thing also happens. I hate when those things happen. They just—I was gonna say—I was just gonna say a major spoiler that happens in like the last hundred pages, and I was like, "Oh no, I should not do that." (laughs) Yeah, Uh, it's an okay book. I don't think I'll reread it. I'd probably rewatch the TV show. It's good TV show. Yeah, same. It's a really good story. It's just very long. (laughs) I have the book, and I've had it for like two or three years now, and it's. I that's I don't like hardcover books because they're just so fucking intimidating. Because they're so. Big. I mean, like, I'm not even I'm not intimidated by Stormlight, and Stormlight's a thousand pages a book, but I was like, I don't want to read it. It's so. In Jonathan's Raid and Mr. Norrell was very intimidating to me. Yeah. Yeah, I still I don't I mean I agree with you. Like I I burn through those Stormlight books like you do, and I don't know why this book really holds me up i mean maybe it's just it might just be boring i don't know <laughs> it might just be boring. it's it's british politics it's old men arguing with each other for a while i wonder mm. if this is like one of those rare books that would actually benefit from a rewrite i mean there's plenty of people out there that love this book oh yeah like but... my roommate loves it. it it's a good story it's just it's not for somebody who's it's very slow if you don't like very slow and it doesn't have the characters to hold the slow pace sometimes yeah all right what was the name of this book again rachel jonathan strange and mr norrell by suzanne clark has anyone read her newest book no i was gonna just say i should probably read that (laughs) and let us know if it's dry it's like significantly shorter. Is it? I think it's like 300 pages. Oh, that's a baby Good. book. <laughs> <laughs> it's a picture book. It's a children's picture book. 300 <laughs> page picture book. <laughs> that's called manga. <laughs> <laughs> that was last month. All right, Nick, you're up. I'm up. All right. Um, so I read... World War Z. Um, oh, I read I read experts for that for high school, not high school, college. Yeah, and I also just lied to you because really what happened is I struggled to finish World War Z for the second time <laughs> in my life. Um, I picked up this book way back when the movie came out, and I tried reading it, and I find it to be this weird thing where I both enjoy it and get incredibly bored of it very quickly. Like I love the idea 
of it like as, as far as a a alternate history like i love the way that it's written um sort of in like excerpts of like just little events that are happening and like records like as if you were if, if you were actually looking up world war Two or world war one history for example maybe like uh mary robinette goal was for her book you might be reading like old manuscripts and like first account stories and things like that and this reads like that and it's a neat concept and i really want to like it but i just i i find that for some reason it's just not cohesive enough and I guess maybe because it's just a collection of things that don't really run together very well, it's easy to put down and forget about. Is it because the author is not like making an argument throughout the connects connecting the stories? There's nothing connecting them, so maybe it's just easy to be like, "Oh, I'll put this down and I'll pick it up later." And then you just never pick it up later. I'm so guessing it's like a research like... paper, like you're mm, no, because they're I read like some characters that do continue throughout, and it. But a lot of it is just kind of like almost just like a, a collection from the perspective of the entire globe, from every nation on the planet, basically, what is going on there with this zombie I, plague. Yeah, I will say a research paper is just a persuasive essay. <laughs> yeah, this is not persuasive. It's more like a collection of his, like history, I guess. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a collection of historical documents and accounts and perspectives and but from all over the globe based yeah. on this one um, event. And I, I also think that like reading it from, you know, in 2013 was like fun reading it in 2021 when there's actually a pandemic, <laughs> a lot less fun. And I also think that maybe Max Brooks here, the author um, was very optimistic about how, um, how well governments would respond to a national emergency now that <laughs> and well, not that i mean the world collapses pretty hard in world war z yeah yeah it does but i still feel like they handled it a little better i mean like i, I think yeah. the, i think the problem was a lot more uh i think if corona you know if people were, were rising from the dead and then eating other people in addition to what was happening with corona i think it would be a lot worse uh <laughs> i don't know just a hot take there <laughs> but yeah if your neighbor didn't just like stop coming out of his house and instead came over to your house and tried to eat you people might react differently yeah. right but, also, affects- uh, even so i still think that these governments responded better <laughs> than our actual governments did yeah i don't know much about max brooks other than he wrote a book recently about yetis really or a bottomless note. Uh, or if, no, it's not yet. It was Bigfoot. It's called like Devolution or something. Hmm. It, Is it, it supposed good... to be historically accurate? Uh, no, it was in the horror genre. It was for Goodreads, whatever thingy. Oh, interesting. You mean like uh, the words? Yeah, uh, Kayla from Books and Lala was do, uh, did a thing where she read every horror book that was nominated for that um, for Goodreads. And it was one of them. Hmm. Was it good? Uh, I don't think she liked it that much. Okay. <laughs> so maybe it's just the writer. I don't know. But she also has very particular tastes. So. I mean, here's the, like World War Z. This book was like critically acclaimed and like crazy successful when it came out. Yeah, I think yeah, my book also won like the World Fantasy Award. Yeah. And 
part of me thinks that like this is just such a clever idea that it gets a lot of pass on the execution perhaps i i love world war z i i think it's great yeah <laughs> i had a feeling but, you you liked it <laughs> i love that kind of like anthology story format but i agree with you that it's probably a book that you can very easily put down and then never pick up again because you probably don't feel like you're missing anything if you don't like get you know part way into the next thing and it's it's hard for me because like I don't want to say I don't like this book because I do I did enjoy reading it both times that I've I've tried to read through it. It's like I, all the, all anthology all anthologies are just three stars because there's stuff you really like and stuff you really hate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just it. I don't know, and you know, it always bothers me that the movie uh, had nothing to do with the book. That always oh gosh, me. the movie. You know, I remember it how much me, the ending of that movie makes me so mad, <laughs> dude. There was so much hype. They had Brad Pitt. The ad campaigns were incredible. And then the movie was just nothing. I don't Ugh. watch zombie movies, so I and didn't watch it. Well, there are people who are still like World War Z 2 is coming out. I'm like, no, you're not getting Brad Pitt back for that. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Did it make or, or he'll like produce it and really, really own it. You know, he's like, oh, I'm going to make World War Z 2 the best because World War Z sucks so bad. You know, I'd watch a Tarantino version of it. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, that's just 38 days later, basically. Okay. What did you? Yeah, it was <laughs> just, yeah, it's just blood and zombies and gore. I'm into it. <laughs> so um that was my very quick brief review of world wars. i i encourage people if you're going to check out world war z to look at the audiobook uh because each of the antho- each of the stories in the audiobook are told by a different narrator and they have a bunch of famous narrators uh like alan alda mark hamill like oh you know, wow you know what names. now that you're mentioning it to be honest like if I listened to this as an audiobook, it would be so much more enjoyable because it would feel like a bunch of short little podcast episodes or something. Mm-hmm. All right, Nick, you short have homework. Stories. Listen to it as an audiobook and then record yourself <laughs> re evaluating it. Yeah, I was what the fuck do we do on this podcast? I couldn't remember the word. Reviewing? <laughs> yeah, not that one. Re review it and just be like, Yeah, it was so good and you know, oh damn, that's a good question and then I don't know. Just pretend everyone else is there. I mean, like, it does feel like a cool story without a point at the end of the day. Yeah. And <laughs> there's not like a resolution because you, right. everything's told from the perspective of after it's over, so to speak. I mean, they're just like historical records, basically. So yeah. like, it, there's not going to be a message or a theme. It's just, you know, so it's neat. It's cool. Uh, some people I can see would really like it, but. I don't know. It's like I'm looking for a story and I just feel like this doesn't quite uh, hit the mark for me. I think. No, this is and a- I, I mean, I would agree with you. It doesn't have that. Like there's not a, there's not, you know, 300 pages of story there. There's, you know, like 20 pages of story repeated 15 times or something. Right. Question. Is that alt history or just post apocalyptic? Ooh. I well, mean, it takes place, I think, in the early aughts. So at this point, we could probably safely say it's alternate history. Okay. Because it doesn't actually get to the post-apocalypse. It's just the events of the zombie apocalypse, or the, the apocalypse as it happens, and told from 
a post-apocalyptic setting, but during the apocalypse? I mean, here's the thing. <laughs> it, it, it is specifically written like a historical account. Right. And it's and it's I I think I think it is. I, I definitely think it is. I it's it's not like in the middle of an apocalypse, people trying to survive it. But it's it's a little different than your traditional alt history for sure. Yeah. I agree. It's it's, it's a it's a borderline case, Rachel, but it's Nick, so we allow that kind of thing for Nick. Right. <laughs> I mean I, part of why I picked it though is because in a way I think it actually kind of encapsulates one of the issues I have when I read alt history. <laughs> which is I guess uh sometimes there's just too much history, not enough story for me. You know? Not all the uh, time, but sometimes. And this one is particularly egregious in that front. But some people love that, you know? I mean, like, the Tamara series is pretty good because it shows, like, how the dragons affected history. It's like, oh, there's dragons in Africa? Oh, the British can't fuck up Africa? Hmm. How does that affect things? That's pretty interesting. I mean, yeah. <laughs> just drop something big like that and uh, how would that affect everything? All right, uh, so Nick, what was your book again? That was World War Z by Max Brooks. Sounds right. awful. <laughs> Katie, you're, you're all that's left. All right, I am the lone survivor in this zombie <laughs> apocalypse. Okay, so I read The Once and Future Witches by Alex E. Harrow. The end. <laughs> no okay so like a lot of what i heard about it before was that it's you know oh yeah it's about women's suffrage and you know they're trying to get the vote and it was at first but then okay all right i guess i'll start at the beginning so there's three sisters there's and they like get separated you know as they're growing up they find each other seven years after they, you know, split their ways. So you got Juniper, she's the youngest, she's the wild child. Agnes, she is the middle child, she's you know, kind of steadfast, she, she's got her head on straight. And then there is Beatrix, she's the oldest, she's like, you know, the, the smarty pants, I guess. So Juniper comes to the city and she like accidentally stumbles upon her sisters and Juniper is like, I'm going to join the suffragists because that's what I do. And then um, she does it and they're like trying to win the vote. <sighs> okay. <laughs> so, so magic is a thing and like, you know, everybody knows little spells, you know, like to fix a button or to, you know, get the dust off the mantle or whatever. But like, it's all kind of frowned upon, you know, like by the church and such. So Juniper, she she's all like, yeah, magic is great. And let's use the magic to get the vote. And then she kind of gets booted out of the women's suffrage society because they're like no we need to do this fair and straight and if they just if the men just think we're witches then they're gonna you know either try to get rid of us or you know 
whatever men do when they're upset with women <laughs> in the olden days. Those are mostly very bad things. Yeah. 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 So then after that, then Jun Juniper is like, all right, we are going to build this witch's society. So then the rest of the book is just like them collecting spells and like trying to make witchcraft like kind of mainstream and okay for everybody. And like, you know, of course, men get like super freaked out and like, oh, witches, oh, Satan's upon us. Oh, the fever is coming. Ah, there's like an <laughs> outbreak. Um, <laughs> I'm really good at explaining things, you guys. <laughs> so as it goes on, like, I really, really loved how like, as we go on, it shows like almost the it has parallels between the three sisters. Like, you know, Juniper starts growing up. Um, Agnes, like, opens her circle, as she kind of calls it, because, you know, the only way to stay safe is to draw a tight circle around yourself and, you know, don't let anyone in it. But as it goes on, she makes her circle bigger. And Beatrix, as, as her storyline goes on, then she, like stops stuttering and she she like becomes more assured of herself and just the way that the characters grew I absolutely loved and I don't know and I also liked how all of the spells were like they were like hidden in like nursery rhymes and stuff so there was like you know um sticks and stones may break your bones and serpents stop your heart that's a little different but um you know the just all these little things and there was also this one little history bit that she like made up this fact but someone on the internet thought it was real history and they tweeted about it and she's like no i made this up it's fine <laughs> it was that women's outfits like no longer were allowed to have pockets because witches could keep like nefarious bits and ends in their pockets so that's why like mainstream fashion got rid of pockets for women and i think that's pretty neat and that's why girls get excited over pockets these days <laughs> so we can keep our witch bits <laughs> admittedly i don't get i have pocket i have real pockets <laughs> I love everything I... about that that you just said. So we can keep our witch bits. <laughs> so great. Keep your witch bits close, everybody. <laughs> no, I I have like okay, tangent. I bought a dress off Amazon and then I bought two more of that same dress but different colors because they had pockets. Nice. Pockets are important. Do you put stuff in your pockets? My wife is always mad at me that I have stuff in my pockets. What? 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 That's what they're for. Yeah, that's what I keep saying. Yeah, but then you're going to ruin your clothes. <laughs> you're going to wear out the pockets. Okay, oh, that's sure. fair. You leave, you leave chocolate in your pockets one time <laughs> and you're the worst guy that ever lived. Oh, my. I thought that was a different brown stain. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so that's my book. I loved it. Oh, yeah. So there's like a tower that they're trying to bring back. And it's like the magic of witches. Like, 
it's a big old legend and stuff. The end. Sorry. So suffragette wishes, witches with fun characters that grow and you can get to know them and like them. And that sounds fun. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a dreamy man in there too. Oh, you left out the dreamy man. Oh, sorry. There's a dreamy man. (laughs) He has haystack hair. Oh, I don't know what that really means, but that's what he has. Yellow and like sticks out all over the place. Sure. Yes. Sharp. (laughs) Kind of stabs you when you touch it. The horses like to eat it. (laughs) Usually containing a pin of some kind. (laughs) So what was the name of your book, Katie? The Once and Future Witches by Alex E. Harrow. And I loved it. You know, there is well, we something like there are certain book titles that just sound like a Katie book. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I kind of get what you mean. Oh, let's hear it. Look, pick another one. What it's sounds like all of the books you've read on this podcast? The Dinosaur Lords. <laughs> That's definitely a Katie book. <laughs> what? You should read River of Teeth. River of Teeth? I've read it's the about- first hands and teeth it's about i think what if america brought over hippopotamuses instead of cows i love it already (laughs) all right it's on my list by sarah gailey yeah uh oh yeah i was i've been uh meeting to read sarah gailey their books sound pretty uh, some of their books sound pretty interesting apparently they involve hippos so (laughs) <laughs> i'm gonna read upright woman which is about um like it's I, it's either alternate history like wild west uh it's like the upright it's upright women were wanted where it's they're going around and it's like really kind of um what's the word i'm dialed um oppressive to women and people who are not um uh, cisgender <laughs> or uh or, uh, or yeah, and uh, but the upright women are like giving knowledge to people with like library. They're like librarians. Nice. Interesting. That sounds kind of neat. I think it's the same she author. Also did Magic for Liars. I've seen that book like everywhere. Yeah, they're. I think they're also doing like uh, the Echo Wife. That's coming out soon. Oh, hmm. I've seen that in an article. I saw it just like. I don't know. It's been a couple hours by now, I'm sure. Anyway, yeah. Go team. High-fived everybody. Did another another podcast in the books. So <laughs> my, question, my question, we have Katie books. Do we have like Dan books or Nick books? Or Rachel books? Yes, but I didn't want to say it because that's narcissistic. <laughs> <laughs> I said it for you. It's okay. Yes. Uh, mm. Anything sure Anderson yeah. tangential is a Nick book. I thought that was a Dan. That's a Dan book. Are there like fantasy Tom Clancy books? That feels like a Nick centric kind of book. I don't know. <laughs> Nick just has a Tom Clancy Dan. vibe. You know what I mean? Never read Tom Clancy. <laughs> I don't know why I get that from. I feel like Nick would like anything written by Will White. He's a Patterson I don't know who that guy. Is. Will White. Patterson. He did the the Cradle series and. Uh... Oh, okay. And shadows and of shadows and seas and the Elder Empire. <laughs> yeah. And and Traveler's Gate series. I own all his 
Yeah. Isn't he independently published and he's still got like number one on Amazon or something? Yes. Yeah, that's pretty fucking cool. Yes. Mainly because. <laughs> Mainly, I, I own all of his dis- uh, bibliography. <laughs> <laughs> I own all of them. Rachel, I, I found a book to replace Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell, and it's called Sorcerer to the Crown by Oh, Zen I hated Chet. that. I hated you, that. You hated <gasps> it? Yeah, it was so boring. Oh, I loved that book. Down? <laughs> yes, say it again. Sorcerer to the Crown by Zen Cho. I tried it. It was I. Well, the problem is I tried the audiobook and it was so slow. Listen at one point two five speed. I can't. <laughs> I what? could, but I don't. I don't like chipmunk no- noise. Oh. <laughs> I listen to a lot when I edit this. I listen to you guys at at least one point one three speed. The problem, <laughs> Dan. The problem was the plot was. It was like, oh, magic is dying. Oh, they're going to fairy. Oh, this sounds so similar. I, there is different points, and there is more. The magic is more interesting, and there is the different issues they're addressing. But I was like, I'm. This is too similar. I am bored. So Rachel mm-hmm. needs crazy obscure books. No, they're for sure. To the crown, I think won a bunch of awards too. So yeah. It, I tried. I tried it. I was just super. I, if I read the book book, I would probably like, enjoy it much better. The book book. <laughs> yes, the book book. <laughs> I don't read crazy obscure books, Katie. I know, but you you seem like you like things that are very different than the norm. No, that's Dan, as he made me read a really weird book. <laughs> I guess, yeah. I didn't read that book, so. <laughs> <laughs> I read it, and it was super weird. I didn't know what was going on. I know. I kind of still want to read it, though. So it's, it's still on my list. Maybe I'll get to it this year. I need a plot. I need a. I need a. It could be weird, oh, but I need a plot. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. My need of a plot. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, who's in charge of this episode? Nick. Nick. Yeah. Kill it. Kill the episode. All right, guys. Well, that was your your March fix of <laughs> Fantasy Book of the Month podcast. You, you probably got like eight books out of us. Eight books, something like that. Yeah, about that. We made up for at least one Peter. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. He usually throws out like 12. <laughs> it's true. But, but you know, apologies. I know everybody loves their favorite Peter, but he's uh, he's still building <laughs> houses for those poor children. So Or, or mailing the books to donors. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but we will be back in April for some other theme that I will let you discover. <laughs> or go uh, if you go to the storygraph.com, I think, is the address, you can go to our uh, reading challenge and look at all the themes and join with us and read a book of the theme. Is that or a I thing can tell you have? right now, it's yes. uh, POV of a non-human. Do, yeah, we it have, is P- do we have things that I don't know about? Yes, you weren't here. <laughs> I made them. Well, hot damn. I, I will give the link to Nick to put in the dis- the doobly blue. Doobly <laughs> blue. <laughs> Sounds good. I think Nick will put it probably put it in the February one because it's not February yet. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. We'll get it out there. Um, so that's it. Take care, everybody. And remember, keep reading. Wait, where can we find each other? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're going. Oh. They're already oh. fading. It's fading. The audio is fading.